You're listening to The Fervent Life with Rhea Briscoe, an extension of Snowdrop Ministries. Please stay tuned as Rhea shares her heart with you and challenges you to go deeper with God. For more information on Snowdrop Ministries or Rhea Briscoe, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com. Let's join Rhea now as the teaching begins. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king... Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east as it is rising and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was disturbed and troubled and the whole of Jerusalem with him. So he called together all the chief priests and learned men, scribes of the people, and anxiously asked them where the Christ was to be born. They replied to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are not any, in any way least or insignificant among the chief cities of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, a leader, who will govern and shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod sent for the wise men secretly and accurately to the last point ascertained from the time of which the appearing of the star, that is how long the star had made itself visible since its rising in the east. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search for the child carefully and diligently. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. When they had listened to the king, They went their way, and behold, the star which had been seen in the east in its rising went before them until it came and stood over the place where the young child was. When they saw the star, they were thrilled with ecstatic joy. And on going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasure bags, they presented to him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And receiving an answer to their asking, they were divinely instructed and warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod, so they departed to their own country by a different way. Now after they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take, the, take unto you the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there till I tell you. Otherwise, for Herod inter- intends to search for the child in order to destroy him. And having risen, he took the child and his mother by night and withdrew to Egypt and remained there until Herod's death. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he realized that he had been misled by the wise men, was furiously enraged. And he sent and put to death all the male child in in Bethlehem and all in that territory that were two years old and under reckoning according to the date what he had investigated diligently and had learned exactly from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Rise, take unto you the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. 
just want to give you a little background on Herod. Sometimes these Christmas stories are so familiar, uh, we, we lose really the punch behind them. And so I just want to bring out a few things uh, about Herod that I think are important that we know. It, you need to know that Herod was not a Jew. He was king of the Jews, but he was not a Jew. He worshipped as a Jew. He was a practicing Jew by religion, but he was not a Jew. He was an, uh, an Edomite. Um, he was born from the line... Uh, not of Jacob. You know that Jacob and Esau, they were, they, they were born, and from Jacob came the Israelites, and from Esau came the Edomites. And so uh, Herod came from that line. He did not come uh, from, from Jacob. He was not a Jew uh, as such as we know. Uh, he, was, he was not from the line of David. He was a king because he, it was a political move. He was put there by the Romans. He was not a king because he came from the line of David, like all previous kings have come. And so that's important that you know that. He, he was appointed to that place. He was, it was a political thing, not a spiritual thing. And I'm just going to tell you that, that, we, uh, that, that even in the church, when we have people appointed, uh, if it's a political thing, if it's a, I want to get there, it's about power, it's about rising up, God will never bless that. It has to be a spiritual thing. It has to be that God appointed that person, not man appointed that. And, and I think we get in trouble when, it, when it's a political climbing the corporate ladder or it's climbing the, the, the ladder even in the church and, and we get people in positions of power and it's not a good thing. And that's what happened with Herod. He, he didn't get to that place because God appointed him there. He got to that place because the Romans put him there. It was a clawing to the top of the ladder and he was placed in that place, in that place of power. And when you are placed in a place, when you claw your plate yourself to the top of a place, if you put yourself in a position, you have to keep yourself in a position. But if God puts you there, nothing can remove you from it. And Herod was one of those people who had clawed his way to the top. He was a king by election. There was not a legitimate connection to, to King David or to the line of Jewish kings after him. And because of that, he lived his life in insecurities. And I want to talk to you a bit about uh, insecurity tonight. One of the things that I see as I minister weekend after weekend, as I look at my own life, as I'm asking God to look into my heart and deal with things in my own life that are ugly and, and that are not pleasing to him, one of the things that I see uh, so rampant in the church and in my own life are insecurities and the ugliness of what insecurity can do to you. If we look at the life of Herod, yeah, you saw Scott depicted. Herod, he, he eliminated anybody that was a threat to him. He is so much so that he killed off three of his sons and his wife because he felt like they were a threat to his kingdom. Anybody that challenged him, he killed off. Anybody that wasn't loyal to him, he killed off. Now even a baby, that baby born in Bethlehem, Jesus, a newborn baby, was a threat to his kingdom. And so rather than embrace it, he, had, he wanted him killed off. Any threat, any perceived threat, he would kill off. And I wonder tonight if that isn't what insecurity does to some of our hearts. You, you see, when you're insecure, Herod what was, was an amazing man. He was known as Herod the Great. He was amazing because he was extremely uh, talented. He was extremely gifted. He was a builder like no other builder. Uh, you, you'll know that Masada, many of you know Masada if you've ever been to Israel. Herod built Masada. Masada stands yet today. It was in a brilliant uh, workmanship 
worship. It was, it, it was one of his brilliant uh, 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 masterpieces and and he had many of them he rebuilt the temple and and he built lots of statues to himself and he built cities and and he was amazing he he was only four foot four something like that he was a very short man he was a little man but he wanted so badly to be big he wanted to be big and and I don't mean big in height big in statue I mean he wanted to be great He was driven to be great. And all those accolades, all those things that he did in his life, it was was to silence the lie, I believe, deep in his spirit that he really was not great. You see, he was an illegitimate king. He wasn't put there legitimately. I think all his life he was probably dogged by that. You see, the Jews hated him. They knew that he wasn't there because he earned that right. They knew that he was illegitimate and, and his kingship was illegitimate. And you see, if what you believe deep down in your soul is that you really are illegitimate, If you really believe that you're inadequate, you see, that's what insecurity does. Insecurity says, I know this is where I'm at, but this is where I want to be. And all I can see is the gap in between. An illegitimacy, anytime you're insecure. See, Herod was insecure. That's why he had to eliminate any threat because he really deep down believed that there was nothing in him that was really a king. And if people really found that out, if he stopped striving, if he stopped performing, maybe just maybe somebody might find that out. And so rather than run the risk that you might find out who I really am, I'm just going to do away with the threat. I wonder how many of us live our life like that. You say, oh, Rhea, I'm not like that. I wonder. I'm just just putting it out there. I just wonder how many of us live our life insecure like that. You say, I I would never do those things, Rhea. Oh, I don't mean that we kill off people that are a threat to us, but uh, not physically at least. I wonder how many reputations we've killed off because people have been a threat to us. I wonder how many spirits we've killed off, how many hearts we've broken how much damage we've done because of insecurity. You see, Herod looked at anybody that was a threat to his power. He loved power. He had to control because deep down in, he feared, what if they find out that I'm really not legitimate? I'm putting on a good front. I'm striving very hard to convince people that I really am a good king, that I really know what I'm doing. But if they really find out who I really am deep down inside, what are they going to do? I can't take that risk. And so rather than take that risk, I have to keep power. I have to make it look good. What would happen, church, if we really learned to be secure in who God says we are? If we really learned that it's not about striving. It's not about convincing people we're good enough. It's not about proving to people that we really are worth something. What would happen if we learned to just rest? You see, Herod had to build all those, all those incredible uh, uh, cities and monuments and, and, and masterpieces because in his mind, it would silence for a moment the lie that he really wasn't illegitimate. He really had worth. He really had value. And if I can just make it look really good, if I can build my kingdom, then maybe it'll silence the lie that I really am nothing. I am Herod the Great, and maybe if I announce that enough, maybe I'll actually start to believe that myself. Forget the people that I've left in the wake of destruction behind me. 
This is all about building my kingdom. I wonder, church, how many of us are busy building a kingdom at everybody else's expense. Herod's family paid the, paid the price for his kingdom building. He eliminated even them because they became a threat to him. It's interesting to me that in that passage is paralleled the birth of the real king of the Jews. A baby who born in a manger. I love that he was born in Bethlehem. That scripture says, oh, can, Leslie, can you just open your Bible to that passage so that I can, I can see the, the scripture about Bethlehem. It's interesting to me that Bethlehem, if you've ever been to Bethlehem, it's really this small town. In fact, the, the commentators I read said that the children that would have been murdered, we think that it's this astronomical number. It probably would have been maybe as few as 20 because it was such a small town. Bethlehem was a tiny town. Even if you go there today, it really is not very, uh, you know, you expect to go visit and it be this incredible place. It was the birthplace of Christ. You expect it to be this place that's going to wow you, and it really is this dirty little town, and and. and it's really not anything to be impressed with. And I love that that's the place he chose to be born. I love that. I love that it is this obscure place. And, and yet scripture says, the prophet says, out of you, O Bethlehem, will come a king. I just love that. I was reading in the Amplified Bible. It's, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are not in any way least or insignificant among the chief cities of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler, a king. And oh, I just love that. Do you understand that the, the, the Christmas is all about the Christ child being born in you? Do you know that he was born to die so that you and I would not be left here as orphans? He came to die and then to come and live within each one of us. He says, I have to go so another can come. So, so that Christ can come and be born in us. The Holy Spirit can live in us. Do you understand that he wants to be born in you this Christmas season? That king wants to be born in you. And he's saying, you are not the least insignificant. You see, when you understand that you and I are not insignificant to him, that we are of value, that we are of worth, it doesn't matter. We can stop striving. We can stop seeking the approval of man. Herod, all he wanted was the approval. He, he, wanted, he wanted the people's approval. He, he wanted people to think he was worth something. He wanted to be valued. And he would eliminate anything that was going to run up against that 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 thought, any threat to that, any threat to his power, any threat to his control. You see, you have to control when you're insignificant. You have to control when you're insecure. You have to control when you're, fear, you're fearful that people are going to really find out who you are deep down inside. Do you understand who you are deep down inside? Do you understand that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has come and he's taken up, he, he's taken up uh, uh, his dwelling place is in you. Like he said to Bethlehem, you are not insignificant among rulers. I, I, the King is coming out of you. Do you understand that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords wants to be born in you? You are not insignificant. You have the breath of, of, of God in you. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit lives within you? You are his dwelling place. My goodness, why do you let Sally down the street make you feel insignificant? Why do you let her make you feel insecure? Why do you let Sam at work make you feel insecure? Do you understand who you are? You see, it's a resting place when you begin to understand, I don't have to attack somebody. Today I was, I was at a party and, 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 and I, I got in line 
line and, and we, were, we were waiting for our food. And, and I went, when I went to get in line, I saw somebody who has not been nice to me, really not nice to me. In fact, she's, she's really kind of mean to me. And, and I saw her in line and I realized that I was going to have to stand behind her. And, and I'm just going to be honest with you because I know not many of you are, you know, you're, you're not as, as flawed as I am. But, but, but I will just be honest with you. I saw her standing there and I thought, I'm not getting in line behind that. And she immediately saw me coming and she turned her back. And I thought, you stinker. I can't believe you just did that to me. And I was like, Lord, I am not going to be nice to her. I'm just going to let you know. I am not going to be nice to her. I won't be mean to her, but I am not going to be nice to her. And I'm having this conversation with the Lord in my head. And, and I hear him say, Rhea. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a, oh, Rhea, I understand. It was a, Rhea. It was one of those. And I was like. Lord. <laughs> now, I'm just being honest because I, I know that you're not insecure. I know that. But can I just share from my heart? And, and she's been mean. Like, if I told you what she did, you'd be like, I would tell her a thing or two, too. And, and, and so, really, I thought, if you think for one second I'm being nice to her, Lord, I am not. Let's just make this clear now. I don't need food that badly. <laughs> Rhea. And I'm like, oh, why do you make me do this? I'm not happy about this, Lord. I just want you to know I'm not happy. And so I got in line behind her, and I thought, I might be in line, but I am not talking to her. <laughs> and I felt my arm rise up, and I put it on her shoulder because she wasn't about to acknowledge me there. And I put my arm on her shoulder. I said, how are you doing? It's so good to see you. And I thought, feel right lord this is fake i want you to know this is fake 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 it's fake lord i don't mean it i don't really care how she's doing and i'm having this conversation with the lord and he's like ria choose 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 love ria choose love you see herod when he came against the baby jesus what happened was love was born in the manger there Love was what he was coming up against. You see, Herod's throne was built on insecurity. Herod's throne was, built, throne was built on power. Herod's throne was built on control. But the throne that Jesus was going to sit on was built on love. His, his, his throne was never about power. He had all the power. Who knows? Jesus had all the power. I love, I love when he says, I could have called a legion of angels. I, I could have done that, but I, I chose not to do that. He came born to die. His was not about power. His was about dying to live. Dying to live. I love that when the enemy, when the devil took him to the, to the, the wilderness to be tempted, just, you know, not right, right before he went to the wilderness to be tempted by the, the devil, uh, we, we saw the heavens open up and, and the spirit of the Lord descend like a dove on him. And, and, and we heard the voice of the father say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Do you understand that Jesus had done nothing at that point? He hadn't even begun his ministry at that point. You see, it's not about striving. It's not about works. It's not about doing for God. Do you understand that he is well pleased with you right now? Right now, if you don't, he's well pleased with you well when you are at your worst can I just tell you that he loves you he loves you right where you are it's not about striving it's not about achieving it's not about doing for him he loves you and when you really get that he 
loves you, that, that he is pleased with you, that you are chosen by him, that you are his beloved. Do you understand that when you get that, not just here, but when it gets deep within your heart, you don't have to be insecure anymore. You don't have to battle anymore. You can rest. And I felt like he was saying, Rhea, choose love. Let love be born in you right now. Let it be born in you. I know you were hurt. I understand you were hurt, Rhea, but this is not a time for you to be insecure. You need to let love be born in you. Choose love. And so I reached up. I said, how are you doing? And at first it felt like it was fake. But the more I talked to her, the more I could see her soften, the more I realized I was sitting there and I just felt like the Lord, I just was giving me download even as I was talking to her, letting me see her like I've never seen her before. Letting me see that every hateful, rotten thing she did was birthed in insecurity, was birthed in fear, was birthed in a desire to have power and to control. And you see, it just faded away in me. It just faded away when I finally got a revelation of that. There was a freedom in me to be able to just love and to pity, not to hate, to pity and to forgive, not to hold offense. Do you see? That baby just wants to be born in you, that baby of love. But there are two kingdoms, two kingdoms at work. Oh, I was, I was at the mall. I want a nativity scene. I just have never had one, and I want one for my house. And, and, and I just I saw this one. It was called the willow tree, and oh, it was so beautiful, and I so wanted it, and it was just so expensive. But I was sitting there looking at it thinking, Lord, I so want this thing. It's so great, and I think I'd keep it up all year round, and, and Lord, I just want a nativity scene. And, and, and so I'm having this pout with the Lord, and, and I'm picking up these pieces, and I'm looking at them, and, and they have Mary and Joseph and, and this baby, and then there's a stable, and it has a big old star up there, and, and and then they have, uh, you know, they got trees and, 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 and there were oxen and, and sheep and there were the wise men and then there were the shepherds. And, and this is fabulous. But there was no Herod. And because I'm studying this, I'm like, Lord, where's the Herod? I, why don't we have Herod in the nativity scene? We have everybody else. We have the, the three wise men. They came how many years later? We even include them in the nativity. Where's Herod? He's a bad guy. We don't have any room for Herod in our Christmas story, do we? And I thought, Lord, we take him out of the Christmas story. We take him out of the Christmas scene. But really, darkness is still a part, isn't it? Because darkness has always come at light. Darkness has always stood in opposition to light. Why do we take that out of our Christmas story? Why do we want that to be neat and tidy when that's really what Christmas is all about? It's about light overcoming that darkness. You see, those insecurities, they're just the enemy wanting you to really question your worth and your value. You see, if insecurity always has to compare themselves. That's why Herod had to keep building because as long as he could outdo somebody else, the comparisons there, he for a moment would silence his feelings of insecurity. You see, if, if you're just excelling, if you're just looking really good, if your house is clean enough, your kids are well-behaved enough, you're pretty enough, you're successful enough in your job, you're handsome enough, you have enough money in the bank, for a moment those, those insecurities get silenced and you don't hear that voice anymore telling you that you're really not worthy or you really don't amount to anything or people, what are people going to think if they really find out who I really am? One of the things that I see as I preach and, and I go to conferences where there are other pastors doing service, serving at the same time, it's so ugly. It's so ugly. 
that we can encourage one another when we go up to speak, that it has to be sitting there and feeling like, oh no, if she looks really good or if he looks really good, th then maybe I'm not as gifted as, uh, maybe, th maybe they'll look better than I look. What is that garbage? What is that garbage? You see, that's what happened with Herod. He couldn't celebrate a Christ child being born. He had to feel like it was a threat to his kingdom. And what would have happened? You see, that's Saul. I love the story of Saul and David because what we see is Saul who was in a position and, and, and then David rose up and, and, and there's a scripture that says the women were singing that Saul had slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And, and Saul, from that point on, his whole personality changed. Why do you think that is? Because of his insecurities. David was a threat to his kingdom. He was a threat to his power. What would have happened if Saul could have embraced David? If he could have encouraged David? If they could have joined forces for the kingdom? What would have the kingdom looked like? And you see, that's what I see in churches. That's what I see in the workplace. That's what I see in families, for goodness sake. I see people who are trying to keep people small instead of encourage them to grow up. One of the things I love about this team is I believe with all of my heart, my job here is to raise up a team that makes me look bad, that raise up a team that, that shines brighter than me, that raise up a team that can preach harder than I can preach, that sends out and grow, draws more people to their Bible study than I ever could have drawn to my own. Do you understand that that is what a leader does? A leader isn't insecure. It's all about the kingdom. You see, Saul was, uh, Saul was about his greatness. Herod was about his greatness. Jesus was about the Father's greatness. And you see, if our focus is our own greatness, if our focus is ab about promoting ourselves, whether it be in the workplace, in our home, you see, some of us are women, I'm just going to talk to you. If your focus was stop about promoting yourself and promote your husband a little bit, what your marriages would look like, I'm just going to be honest with you. What would happen if we promoted God's will in our life? Today, when I stepped in that line, I wanted to promote me. I wanted to say, Lord, do you know what she did to me? And he was like, Rhea, promote my greatness. Let love be born in you. Let love be born in you. And what a difference it made. You see, it didn't make any difference to her. She'll probably still be mean to me. But you see, it made a difference in me. In me. Because the, the unforgiveness, the offense got released. I could see her like I hadn't seen her before. I, I could see the insecurities in her and be able to bless her because of it and not to hate her, not, not to be angry, not to be hurt anymore, to be able to forgive and release her. But I had to make the choice. I had to make the choice to promote his greatness, to let his love be born in me. To let him be enthroned instead of my, myself be enthroned. Do you know that, 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 that um, Herod, right before he died, when he was in his 70s, he realized that the people uh, really didn't love him as much as he wanted them to and really didn't respect him like he wanted. You see, when, when, when all you're worried about is trying to force people to respect you, to force people to love you, to force people to see how great you are, that, that wears old quickly. And when he was in his 70s, he realized that people were not even going to mourn for him when he died. And so what he did is he made a command. He issued an order that a 100 of the, the most faithful Israelites, the faithful Israelite leaders, uh, be, be put in prison. 
And on the day he died, he wanted them to all be killed so that just in case nobody would mourn for, for, for Herod and his death, that they would be mourning at the same time for these hundred leaders that died, and then nobody would know people weren't mourning for Herod. Can you imagine being that self-focused? Herod was a miserable, miserable man. He was known as Herod the Great. He has things that are still standing today that he built, that he accomplished in his life. But because he was so self-focused, because it was all about retaining power, because the fear of losing power drove his life and everything he did, he was a miserable, miserable man. Today, I could have left a miserable, miserable woman had I chosen differently. I could have left there all bent out of shape, rehearsing what she had done to me all over again. But instead, instead I chose, Lord, I, I, I don't want to do this, but I'll choose to let you be born in me. I'll choose to let your kingdom, your kingdom reign. I took my daughter Kendall to see Frozen. Anybody seen Frozen yet? Frozen is Disney's new movie, and I'm normally not a fan of, of those kind of movies because they have a little evil. There's always a bad guy that's pretty evil in these movies, but surprisingly, this movie was not. It was actually really precious, and, and it's a story about this um, uh, royal family, this, this king and his wife, and they have two little girls, and one of the little girls is born with, these, with this uh, uh, power, I guess, that anything she touches freezes turns to ice and so we see her as a little girl that that everything she touches is is just turns to ice and she doesn't know what to do about this power that she has she she hates it and and all through her life she's been raised to to not feel but to conceal now right there's a preach if I ever heard it don't feel conceal and see that's where a lot of insecurities are built by by, by fear of don't feel just conceal don't let them know you hurt don't let them know you're you're feeling this just conceal just that that's a preach right there but that's what she's told is don't feel conceal and and so that's how she's raised and and when she's a little girl her little sister comes in to play with her and 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 they they go play because she can build snowmen in the middle of a summer. She can freeze a whole, uh, you know, uh, dining room or a whole den and she can freeze it and then they go ice skating and they build snowmen and it's just fun. And, and at one point in the story, they're having this snowman, this snowball fight and, and building snowmen and she zaps the ground to turn it to ice and she hits her little sister and she hits her in the head. The father comes in, he scoops her up, and he says, oh, no, we have to take her to, to this old troll who, I'm really going somewhere with this, we have to take her to this old troll who knows how to take care of this. Her little head is frozen. They have to know how to take care of it. They take her to this troll. The troll says, oh, thank goodness, it's the head and not the heart because the head we can deal with. And so probably, I don't know, 20 years later, now this power to freeze everything, to turn everything to ice, is going rampant in this older sister. She keeps herself secluded because she understands the damage she does anytime she feels. <laughs> she has a confrontation with her, with her little sister again. She zaps her by mistake. She zaps her heart this time. And, and this young man scoops her up. He takes her to this troll 
leader, the troll leader, says there's nothing I can do because now it's her heart and not her head. And he says the only thing that can unfreeze her frozen heart is an act of love offered out. Is an act of love will be the only thing that can unfreeze her frozen heart. And as I'm sitting there watching this movie, I'm leaning, Leslie was beside me, and I was like, Les, this is a sermon if I ever heard it. And I so want to just stop the movie and run down front and say, let me just tell you about this. This is just such a sermon. But, but as, 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 the, as I was watching this movie, I thought about myself. I'll just use myself and how I have the power <laughs> I have the power to turn icy hearts and to, to wound that way. But more importantly, I sat there thinking about the number of, of times that as a child, my head got frozen by words, by acts, by, by things that people had power over me that would wound me deeply and harden my heart and harden my thinking. And the troll's words that as long as it's the head, we can help that. You see, when somebody's unkind words, when somebody's insecurities, when somebody's wounding just hits the head, you know, we can, we can heal. We can, that can be worked through and, and, and healed. But when their words and their, their insecurities and their unkind things get deep in your heart and they freeze your heart, you harden your heart. You see, my heart was hardened today towards that woman. She'd hurt me deeply. She zapped me deeply with her coldness. And it affected my heart. And I had a choice. I could stay frozen. I could stay hardened. What happens in this movie is you're thinking the act of love is going to come from, from the man that this young girl is dating, that he's going to kiss her, it's going to be her French charming, everything's going to be great. But what happens is her act of love is to the person who wounded her, to her sister. And when she sacrificed herself for her sister's benefit, her heart unfroze. And I thought to myself, isn't that the world we live in? We can choose to stay frozen, to stay in pain, to stay insecure, to stay needing to control, to stay needing power in our life to stay hidden, to stay striving, to stay in competition. Or we can choose an act of love that unfreezes our hearts. And that act of love is to let Christ be born in us and to give that out to somebody else. Throughout this whole movie, you're expecting the act of love to be to this woman, to the one whose heart's frozen. Little did you realize that it had to be her act of love her choosing to love in the midst of her frozen heart. Today, when I met that woman, it was my choice to love in the middle of my frozen heart that thawed me out, that made me get unfrozen. Herod never let that happen in his life. He died a miserable, miserable man trying to hold on to power, staying frozen, frozen in his hatred, frozen in his need to control, frozen in his insecurities. And he died a miserable man. Notice how he used those wise men in the story. They came to worship. That was the first threat. You're going to worship somebody other than me. You think more of somebody else than you think of me. And that triggered his insecurities. And he deceives them. He manipulates them. He uses them to get what he wants. 
Do you know anybody that does that? And he sends the wise men out, and, and he says, I want to worship them too. I want to worship them too. Go tell me when you find them. He uses deception. He uses manipulation. All of those are just ugly tools, are they not? What would happen? What would happen if we really learned to be secure? If we could promote the welfare of somebody else, if we could make somebody else look better than ourselves. Leslie called me today and she said, Rhea, I've been reading the book, the story of Jonathan and David. And she said, you know, I'm blown away that Saul... <laughs> David, Saul is David's father, is Jonathan's father, and Jonathan sacrifices his father for his love of David. And, 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 and Jonathan would have been next in line for the throne, and Jonathan, he sacrifices the throne and promotes David. And he says, David, you're going to be king, and I'll do whatever I can do to get you to be king. And what would happen if we lived like that? What would happen? But you see, we can't live like that until we let that baby be born in us, till we let love be born in us, until we're willing to, to not seek greatness for ourselves, but to seek greatness for God. I, I preached on Friday night about Mary and Joseph, and, and I promise I'm closing, but I just want to share this with you. I, I started to just look. That you see, there, there's a scripture about Joseph where, where the angel comes, and, 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 and Joseph is ticked. Who knows that Joseph is ticked? We read that story. Story like it's nothing, but I'm just going to tell you, imagine the world that got rocked for Mary and Joseph. They were betrothed to be married. They were engaged to be married. And, and they took engagement very seriously during that time. In fact, they were considered husband and wife during their betrothal period. Even though they hadn't had a marriage ceremony, even though their marriage hadn't been consummated, they were still considered man and wife. And, and they were looking forward to their life together. And Joseph was preparing a place for he and Mary to live. And Mary was learning to be a wife. And, and soon they would have this marriage ceremony. And it was during that time, during that time of, of great joy and excitement that the angel of the Lord came to Mary. Now remember, she came, or the, he came 400 years. There had been 400 years of silence. God hadn't spoken in 400 years. And all of a sudden, Mary's in her day-to-day -day routine, and poof, there's an, an, an angel of the Lord. And he says to her, hey, rejoice, Mary. I've got some good news of great joy for you. You're going to conceive a child of the Holy Spirit. It's going to come up. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to conceive a child and you are blessed and highly favored. And we read that story and we're like, yay, Mary. But it wasn't yay, Mary. Do you, who knows? That was a shakeup for her. She was a teenage girl. She was pledged to be married to somebody. She was living in a small dinky town. I was raised in a small dinky town. I was conceived in an adulterous affair that my mama had had. I trust me. I know that small towns talk. I still go home at my age and people still whisper that, that I was the one conceived in that affair. Trust me, this was not, yay, I'm, I'm highly favored and blessed. It was, a, oh my goodness. She had to go home and tell her parents, can you imagine this? Mom and dad, I'm pregnant. And it's by the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit came upon me and Kendall is 13. <laughs> That's about the age that Mary would have been. If Kendall came home to me and said, Mom, I'm pregnant. 
and it's the Holy Spirit's child. An angel came to me. I'd be like, Dave, let's check her out. Let's take her to the doctor. Mental health. Let's get her to the mental health. I would. I mean, come on. You would think, what in the world? Is she on drugs? What's she done? I, I just, can you imagine hearing that? For 400 years of silence. God hasn't spoken in 400 years. And now my daughter's coming home telling me she's pregnant. And it's the Holy Spirit. So, see, we know this Christmas story too well. We, it loses its punch. And now she's thinking, i got to tell Joseph, and, and, and Joseph is a just man, he, and people are going to think he got me pregnant, and, and even if we try to cover this up, Joseph's going to look bad, and, and oh, he's never going to believe me, and, and I'm going to tell him as a Holy Spirit's child, he's going to think I've been with another man, and I was unfaithful to him, and oh, and what's this town going to say about me, and am I ever going to be welcome in this town again, and will people ever accept my child, and, and they're going to be saying he's illegitimate even when he's 50. 50 years old, and, and, and oh, can you imagine? You're blessed and highly favored, Mary. Yay for you. You're picked. And I love that the scripture says that, that all this stuff is happening. The shepherds are coming after the baby's born, and the word says that Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. And the word kept there means she kept these things. The word things means rhema. Mary kept these rhemas and pondered them in her heart. And the word pondered means to, to confer with oneself. She's, she's having a conversation with her in her head. She's, she's figuring this stuff out. But then Joseph, we see Joseph, and here's what bothers me. I want to know why the angel didn't come to Mary and Joseph at the same time. You know, let's just get this straight from the start, guys, just so there's no dissension, no division between the two of you. Mary's going to get pregnant. It's going to be the Holy Spirit's Joseph. You're, you're just along for the ride. But trust me, this is really what's going to happen. Everything's going to be good between the two of you. Hang on. It's going to be a ride but in the end it's going to be worth it I want to know why that didn't happen it didn't happen that way he told Mary Joseph the word says was considering these things <laughs> and he was thinking how in the world am I going to end this thing quietly and divorce her quietly and not add to her disgrace which is noble of Joseph you want to say because you see the, the word says that Mary really deserved to be stoned because it would have looked like adultery and Joseph could have had her stoned he could have had a, a scribe run through town and announce her indiscretions. He could have said, my wife did this and she did this and so I'm going to divorce her and he could have added to her shame, but he didn't. The word says that he considered these things and, he, and he, he wondered how he could divorce her quietly and not add to her public disgrace. But yea, Joseph, except when we realize that the word considered, Joseph was considering these things when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. That word considered, it means to ponder on all right, just like Mary was pondering, only the difference between Joseph's pondering and Mary's pondering is, guess what? Wrath. He's ticked. One of the commentators I read said it would be more accurate to say, while Joseph was fuming about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. See, some of you think, oh, this is the father of Jesus. He doesn't fume. He doesn't get ticked. Well, look up the word. Doesn't it bring it more down to earth for us? He's ticked. Would you blame him? The woman who's pledged to be married to him, the woman who promised him she'd be faithful is pregnant, and he thinks it's with another man's child, and she's given him this good excuse by saying, it's the Holy Spirit's lucky me, lucky you. We get to be the, the, the parents of the Christ child. You know he's thinking, are you crazy? And what are people going to say? 
And, and, and I'm saving my own hide if I go through town and say, guess what Mary did? And I had nothing in this. And I look good. I come out looking good. But he's not even going to want to do that. He's, he's contemplating. He's considering, even though it's with wrath and even though he's fuming, how he's going to handle this. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Joseph, it's really like she says it is. And you're to take her as your wife. And you're to name him Jesus because he's coming to save his people from their sins. And it was interesting to me as I, as I studied that passage, the two different ponderings, the two different choices that we have in life, how we're going to deal with things. Because Mary, the word says, she considered these things and pondered them in her heart. And the word things there, as I said, is rhema. You see, Mary didn't fume. She waited for the rhema. Lord, I don't understand this. Lord, this is going to be hard. Lord, my whole life is going to be rocked, but I know you're in this. I know you're in the details, and I'm looking at the natural, and I don't understand any of them, and it doesn't look like fun to me, but, Lord, I just need you to speak the rhema to me. I just need some insight to this, Lord God. I need your heart on this, and, and I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to ponder it in my heart. I'm going to confer with myself and with you until I get some understanding about this situation because if I look at the natural, I'm going to react, and I'm going to react in the wrong way, and I'm going to live in insecurity, and I'm going to live in fear and I'm going to live just just trying to figure this thing out and my life is going to be miserable. I'm going to be a miserable person. But Lord, I'm going to choose to wait for the rhema. I'm going to choose to sit in your presence until I can understand from you what this is all about because I know you're in the details. I know you got this whole thing figured out. I know you hold my life in your hand and there's nothing you're going to let come into my life that, that, that you don't have a purpose and a plan for. So Lord, could I just get some understanding? I'm going to ponder this in my heart until I do. And then Joseph, he pondered a different way. He didn't wait for the rhema. What am I going to do? I got to figure this out. I got to make myself look good. I got to make sure Mary's taken care of, but I'm pretty ticked off and I'm going to you see the difference. Today, I was pondering. <laughs> when I went behind that woman in line, I was still pondering. And it wasn't a good one. It was the fuming. And then the rhema came. Rhea, would you let me be born in you? Would you let me be born in you? It's such a better way. You see, Mary, what she finally arrived at, we know this. She says, may it be to me according to your word. She came to a place where she would embrace his plan and his purpose for her life. Lord, whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever you allow in my life, I'll embrace. May it be to me according to your word. My situation stinks right now, Lord, but may it be to me according to your word. My whole reputation is going to be shot, Lord, but may it be to me according to your word. I might lose the person I love the most, but may it be to me according to your word because, Lord, I trust you with the details, and I'm not about my greatness. I'm not seeking my greatness. I'm not promoting myself. I'm promoting your kingdom born in me. Let your child be be born in me. Let your kingdom be born in me. Let be born in me. What would happen if we let him be born in us instead of insecurities be born in us? What would happen if we let him be born in us instead of fear be born in us? What would happen if we let him be born in us instead of our own purposes be born in us? What would change in our life? You see, Satan is not afraid of you coming to church on Sunday morning. He is not afraid of you having Caleb playing in your car. He's not afraid of you having a fish bumper sticker on the back of your car. Do you know what he's afraid of? He's afraid of Christ being born in you. 
He's afraid of you saying, be unto me, Lord, according to your word. Oh, he's not afraid of you pondering and considering. He's afraid of you reaching the point where you say, I'm considering all this in, in my heart and I'm pondering it, Lord, and I'm not moving from this place till I get your rhema, till I get your understanding, but may it be to me according to your word. He's not afraid of you getting behind somebody with your insecurities and thinking and fuming over what they did to you and you trying to remain in control and in power and how you can outpower that person and how you can let her or him know they didn't get to you. He's not interested in that. That's not a threat to him at all. A threat to him is letting love be born in you, reaching out in love, letting Christ throne rule in your life. Let his kingdom reign in your life. The kingdom you're building doesn't threaten the, the enemy unless it's Christ's kingdom being built in you. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? You see, we don't have to live in fear. Like Herod, we don't have to, to uh, eliminate every threat that comes at us. Somebody can be mean to us and we can still love them because it isn't about our greatness. Someone can think we're not all that and, and, and a bag of potato chips and it doesn't matter anymore. You know, when I got these scars on my face, I'm like, Lord, look at these scars. And, and my sister said to me, Rhea, your beauty is not on your face. Your beauty is on the inside of you. It's the Christ in you that makes you beautiful, Rhea. Do you understand it's not about our greatness? It's not about our greatness. It's about his greatness. How will this world change if we let his kingdom and his greatness be our goal in life and we stop trying to tear down and eliminate and destroy any threat around us? I mean, you can be nasty to me, and instead of me perceiving it as a threat, I can love you. That means you can be better at me than something. Instead of me perceiving it as a threat, I'll embrace and love you. That means you can talk dirt about me. You can talk smack about me. And instead of me running and hiding and avoiding you, I can embrace you and love you. That means you can be nasty and hateful to me. And instead of me wanting vengeance, I can embrace you and love you. Because may it be to me according to your word, Lord, you knew this was going to happen before the foundations of the earth. And this must be going to form something in me that couldn't be formed any other way. And so may it be to me according to your word. Long before Mary and Joseph knew how things were going to turn out. You see, that's why we read the Christmas story, because we know how it turned out, don't we? But Mary said yes long before she knew how it was going to turn out. Will you say yes to Christ being born in you? Will you say yes to that this Christmas? And watch what a difference it can make. That act of love will unfreeze the hardest of hearts. Try to unfreeze some this Christmas season. Some of you have got family activities coming up, and you're dreading them. Oh, come on. 
Don't go in there with offense. Don't go in there thinking they said this about me. Don't go in there thinking I'm going to say a thing or two. Don't go in there thinking I'm not saying anything and I'm not even going to be nice. Go in there saying one act of love is going to unfreeze the hardest of hearts. And I'm going to choose to let love be born in me this Christmas season. I'm going to say, be it unto me according to your word, Lord. I'm going to ponder and I'm going to wait for the rhema. I'm not going to fume. I'm not going to try to consider how I can do this and get out of this gracefully. I am going to embrace what you're doing in my life, Lord. And I'm going to wait for the rhema and what to do next. But I trust you with the details, Lord. Let love be born in me this Christmas season. For more information about Rhea or Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or call 414-581-8150. We pray God blesses you as you go and live out a fervent life.